Well, hello there. This is Milena, and welcome to another episode of Scientific Mavericks Podcast, where it is my pleasure to introduce an incredibly talented team of thought leaders and innovators who are at the forefront of reinventing the way retail companies and channels make business decisions today. Hybris mantra is data has a better idea, and since its inception in 2015, Hybris introduced world's first AI solutions leveraging retail genome, its proprietary algorithm networks and prescriptive analytics with the goal to automate business decisions and help retail companies increase their returns on retail space investment. Hybris spun out of Data61 and is backed by the Coca-Cola company. Number 204 in the Deloitte 2018 Asia-Pacific Technology Fast 500 ranking, Hivery has been repeatedly recognized as an Australian startup to watch for, and last year, Export Council of Australia awarded Hivery for its contributions to the international trade and New South Wales economy. I'm very excited to introduce our today's guest, Alvaro Flores. Alvaro is a data scientist at Hivery and is a part of the team building promotional effectiveness tool to help you put things in perspective and gain a better understanding and a broader knowledge of the PE tool, I highly recommend listening to our last podcast with Carlos Saya on mathematical models and their application to real-world problems. Now, before we dive deeper, I would love to share a little bit of background on Álvaro. Álvaro attended Universidad de Chile to pursue his bachelor's in engineering science and mathematics, and later a master's in operations management. While pursuing his master's, Alvaro worked first as a business consultant, and then held a role that can now be described as a data scientist. After graduating with his master's, Alvaro opened himself up for an opportunity to pursue his PhD at the Australian National University in Canberra. While pursuing his PhD, Alvaro has been doing his vocational training at Data61 and now is a data research visitor there. His affiliation with Data61 also helped Alvaro to discover Hivery. In June 2018, Alvaro started his six-month internship and in February 2019 transitioned to his full-time role. But let me not get ahead of myself and let Alvaro tell you his story. So. Let's go back to how his journey started, and to do that, Alvaro will first share how he made his decision in regards to the areas of study he chose for his bachelor's and master's. This is, I think, a funny story. I I used to be in the biology elective when I was in high school because I was running away from physics because uh, I found that extremely boring. But after a while, when I was in my last year in high school, I I had like a really engaging physics professor. So I I moved away from biology and start thinking about engineering. So then the natural path was taking math and engineering at the same time. And the operation management bit, uh, I think, is more to pursue an application for the ideas that I learned in math. Mathematics for me was always something that attracts me because, in a way, I always thought that there are many subjects that the actual result that you get from grading uh, is quite proportional to the time that you devote to them for studying. But in maths, it's not always like that. And, and I like the idea of, of thinking in, in different ways and mathematics offered that path and potentially other topics don't. So you mentioned that operations management allowed you to 
directly apply the theoretical part of mathematics that you learned during your bachelor's. So what were some of the applications that you were able to pursue? I did a joint thesis for mathematics and for the master's degree. And the topic was trying to identify the potential customers that will churn from a telecom company. So if you have like, a, for example, a cell phone plan and it's not working like you expected, then you might have incentives to just move and change companies. So given that you have big enough data sets, you can try to grab information from them and infer patterns and see if you can find the most likely customer to churn. And before they actually make that call, uh, you can potentially re-engage them with uh, some incentives in order to make them stay in the company. But if you do that for the whole customer base, that's too expensive. So you need a way to target your efforts. And that's the tool that we develop. Yeah, absolutely. A similar application has also been developed for several banks, especially in the U.S. So Capital One also pursued a very similar strategy. So it's very relatable with the cell phone plans. How was your experience in college and what was the biggest takeaway? I'm actually graduating next week. Oh, really? Congratulations. <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, thank you. So what, what about you? What was your biggest takeaway from college? If I had to think about it, the main takeaway that I, I always treasure is the fact that I basically learn how to learn new things. So it's not necessarily the topics themselves, but rather how to engage with new knowledge. That's the thing that I appreciate the most about being uh, in college for such a long time. And the second one might be that maybe that this is more related with work experience is not get too attached with the ideas that you have in the sense of be flexible enough in order to change your mind if you find better arguments. And that thing also is highly used in university, especially in math and hard science. If you find that something explains the data better or another idea coming from someone else looks like a better fit for your hypothesis, then go with that and don't be too attached to the ideas that you originally uh, thought about. Absolutely. I think it's not just with hard sciences. So I'm pursuing my bachelor's in business. One of the concentrations is entrepreneurship. So I had to go through different stages of developing products and then trying to put them on the market. So I think the process of pitching was definitely something that was not very natural for me. And so I can completely relate to not holding on to the initial idea, but being able to just see past that and like accept different iterations if they're coming from, especially other people from different backgrounds, because I think the diversity of experiences, the diversity of thought definitely only adds value as opposed to takes away from the initial idea. So it's always interesting to see what the final product is and what was the initial stage of it. <laughs> Because typically, if it's very different, it means you probably did a great job of going through different iterations. Even when the exercise of looking that the gap is big, so you did good progress, it's also interesting to, to measure how far or how off you were from your initial expectation. So applying that concept now from the initial idea to what PE tool is now, how much development happened in the past two, three years since the inception of the idea? to what the tool is currently? That's an interesting question because I think the tool itself has evolved quite a lot, but the main idea I think remains the same. So what we're trying to do is provide a tool that can predict demand depending on promotional activity and also taking into consideration special events, uh, display location, if the product is in the catalog or not, and of course, cross-product interaction. So 
the spirit of the tool itself hasn't changed that much, but what's changed is the technology that we use for actually achieve those goals. And on that front, at the beginning was more of a trial and error, but now we are stable enough and this is the tool that we'll be replicating over time. So I'm quite happy with the progress on the idea side of things. It's been just enriched, but the main idea is still the same. But on the software side and the implementation side, the idea was that what we were doing previously didn't allow us to have uncertainty estimation, but the framework that we're using now uh, allows that and is also more flexible and, and quite easy to debug than the other one. What would you say is the angle that you own? Lately, I've been taking a role more on the prediction side of things that Carlos was uh, handling before. Everyone pretty much on the team has touched every aspect of the tool. But if I have to pinpoint something that I developed a while ago, there is the prediction capability that is basically being able to predict the demand, given that you know the patterns and you have a model that can predict given those patterns. But once you have that, you still have the problem of, okay, now I know how to predict, but What's the best thing that I can do in order to maximize certain business KPIs? That's the bit that I spend six months doing before I actually get to my full-time position. And that's something that we want to implement in the short future because having the prediction capability and the ability to play with whatever strategy that you're thinking about and get instant results is amazing. But once you can have the optimization resource that makes the heavy lifting for you, then it's even, even better. Basically, the artificial intelligence take away from that. You got your master's in 2014 and in 2015 started pursuing your PhD at the Australian National University. I have two questions. What made you go back to school right away? And (laughs) what are some of the differences in skills you have gained during your master's and PhD programs? I was already working full-time while I was finishing my master's thesis. And for me, learning is something that I plan on keep doing my entire life. So for me, it's not going back to school. It's just keep doing what I want to do, you know? (laughs) And, And the format is quite different. So the PhD was more research oriented. So the kind of skills that I need to learn were not the same as an undergrad or a master's student. So it's not necessarily to follow a course, but rather do things by yourself. And I think that the opportunity of making that by myself was something that I think put me in a good position for the future because there, there's a set of skills that like doing your own thing, your own research and whatever you need to do in order to achieve a result, I think is something that teaches self-discipline quite a lot. Having that in mind, the PhD for me was the logical way to go forward. And also because I wanted to complement my math knowledge and operation management knowledge with something more computer science-y. And I think this basically filled the gap perfectly. So can you tell me more about your thesis, please? So it's assortment optimization under non-conventional models of customer choice. Imagine yourself that you are in a store and you're selecting among a few alternatives of, let's say, a drink. And then you end up deciding for a Fanta or for a Sprite, whatever. The thing is, Depending on the things they are showing you and the position, the things they are occupying in the physical space, you have some biases or tendencies to select one over the other. Typical marketing stuff, right? So there are models that can capture these relations and given a certain assortment that I'm showing and given a certain position that I'm showing, for example, it estimates the probability that a random customer in the population selects that. So once you have that information with this model, what you can capture is basically 
the expected revenue per customer that is choosing among the assortment that you're choosing. What we did in my thesis and, and in many theses in this part of the field and the literature is basically select some of the customer choice models that are new in the literature or they have not yet been solved, quote unquote, and try to investigate how to use those models to your advantage in the following sense. If you're a practitioner and you have your own store, for example, you will have the incentives to show whatever gives you the most revenue, right? But that's a highly complex mathematical problem that really relies heavily on the structure of the choice model that you're using for modeling your customers. So what we did in my thesis is taking two models that were proposed a few years ago and where the assortment optimization problem and the pricing problem, so putting the price to the products, was not yet solved. And we filled that gap by solving those problems. Well, I can definitely see the relationship between the promotional effectiveness tool and your thesis, but I would love to hear from you how you were able to apply your theories and applications to the actual promotional effectiveness tool. The way that we are applying those concepts is in the modeling part of it. The prediction of demand has some components that I've been taking from the things that I learned while researching for my PhD. And also there are some other products at Hybrid that are starting using this customer choice model framework rather than the typical demand estimation using other methods. So now we are taking a more customer-centric approach for modeling demand. And I think that will lead us for, for good results in the future. Is there any other role that Hivery played in your pursuit of your PhD? Hivery in general were really supportive of my PhD studies. They understood my responsibilities quite well. When I was struggling to do the two things at the same time, they were super comprehensive about it. And up until now, it has been that way. And I think the key for that to happen was the full transparency at all times for both parties. So I was always really clear when I had to do some obligations and they were also super clear on the expectations that they, they need for me as well. We have a very international team here at Hivery, so it's always fascinating for me to hear from my guests here what they were able to take away from their country and apply here in Australia that helped them. I would love to hear your take on that. Resourcefulness might be something that is maybe I learned a little bit more in Chile because sometimes you don't have that much resources to do stuff. So you have to basically, with whatever you have, do your best. Like if you have a hammer, just hit nails all the time and like the result, might be dependent upon the resource that you have, but if you use your, your available resource cleverly enough, then you might get something going. So once you're here and you have potentially a different situation, then, then it's easier to grab results. Yeah, I can completely relate. The country I was born in, Russia, you don't have such vast resources that you might have in the US or Australia, and it all just comes down to connections and being able to find what you need at the right place with the right people. Building on top of your comment of meeting the right people in the right place is maybe one of the reasons why in Chile we tend to be really warm as people, and that has a, a deeper reason, and, and is the one that you were mentioning. And another thing that is interesting, but it might be related with my personal experience, is the velocity of companies in terms of change. So 
in some places, the culture dictates that it's difficult to implement change quickly. And in other cases, they're more flexible. So here in Australia, I do feel that we have more freedom to move and do stuff by ourselves and change thinking patterns and change behavior. It might be that this is a startup culture that we have in Highbury, but the correlation is difficult for me to separate my experience in Chile and my experience in Australia. Because given that it was in different markets, the difference might be explained by the market themselves and not necessarily by the country. So I'm not sure how to make that distinction. I would say from my work experiences, startups do in general have a lot more freedom than uh, large corporate firms do. But when it comes to culture, I did some consulting work for an Italian startup and have been a part of Hivery. And it's hard to say that the Australian startup moves faster than the Italian one. I think it all comes down to the availability of resources, essentially. Yeah, so that that's why I think it's difficult to, for me at least, to to separate uh, what's due to the culture and what's due to the nature of the, of the company that that we engage in. On another note, is there any piece of advice that you would give to perhaps twenty years younger you who is pursuing a similar academic path? I didn't use my professors enough. In a way, I was not able to see how good those guys were. And now that I'm involved in a more academic world, sort of saying, I can now understand how important it would be for me to be engaged in the past more than I actually did. If I may add to this, now graduating with my bachelor's and looking back, I probably did not use my professors enough as well, especially in the first two years. It also didn't help that I kept changing my majors every semester a total of four times. But what made me stick with my bachelor's in business and pursuing entrepreneurship as one of my major concentrations was actually me putting myself out there and attending a lecture hosted by one of the assistant professors at the graduate school um, on business models. And after I listened to it, I built some courage to go to his office hours and say, I don't know what I want to do, but I know that I want to work with you. And he was a wonderful mentor and was gracious enough to give me an opportunity to publish a book chapter with him on global business models where we developed um, an original framework. And since then, I tried my best to build a relationship with every professor I had, especially if it was in the field I was interested in pursuing or just like their personality. Overall, the last two years, I was able to build some strong bonds and now graduating, I'll definitely lean towards my professors and possibly use their connections and resources to help me sort of keep advancing in the field going forward. And one of the other topics I would love to discuss today with you is the podcast on science awareness you are starting. And from my understanding, the purpose of it is to speak with other researchers about their areas of expertise. And I would just love to hear more about this initiative. This is something that really excited me, to be honest. So given that I'm an extremely curious person and I have the good luck and fortune to have many friends doing crazy stuff in so many scientific fields. Even here in Canberra, I have like 10 or 12 friends that are doing things related with geology, astronomy, sociology, and computer science, computer vision, and everyone coming from Chile. So that's another interesting topic as well. 
So given that I'm super curious and I have many smart friends doing interesting stuff, uh, I was thinking like, how can we put these two pieces together and make something out of it? And so my main idea is to provide like a platform for them to show their research in a more relaxed environment without pressure so they can put the material that they're researching out there and also talk a little bit about the experience of studying abroad and doing research in another country and how that can be helpful for other students that might have that idea in mind. So maybe someone who is about to make the career decision of going abroad and study a PhD or master's degree outside or study in Chile. So we can provide some guidance or pointers on how the experience is and how different countries by different culture and, and relation with academics. And I also think that when you start asking too many questions, people sometimes get bored, but this group of people that are doing research on a really, really specific topic, they are eager to be answering those questions. So it's a really good match. It's the typical dilemma of a moving object with the unstoppable force. <laughs> I'm going to keep asking questions until we get to the bottom of it and they are happy to respond. So I think it's a good setup and, and yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about it. When I heard about this idea from Alvaro, I thought it was an absolutely amazing idea transmitting new innovative ideas in the science field and using podcast as a platform is a fantastic way to ensure the fast pace of transmission of such information and making it more available to a wider audience. And Alvaro also shared with me that he has already a lineup of a few recordings, one of which is on computer vision and another one with a friend of his who is an astronomer. So the podcast will be in Spanish and it will be available on all major platforms on Spotify, Apple Music and others. So stay tuned for the release date, the name and once it's out, I'll definitely make sure to share the link so you can also listen to it. In addition to that, Alvaro will now talk about the blogs that he's also expecting to put up where he will share a long-form description of every podcast and the link redirecting you to his podcast episode relating to that topic. So because in some cases, the topics will be a little bit academic, but with a casual conversation twist. So if people are interested in to follow a little bit deeper on the topics, uh, I will try to provide some sort of summary of the conversation in a written form and some interesting links to follow after that. Relating to the topic that you mentioned, like don't be too in love of your ideas. All this podcast idea was a spin-off of another idea that I had that was trying to do stand-up comedy. That was my initial adventure, like mental adventure at least. It's not something that I actually do, but uh, I enjoy just being stupid and tell jokes to people. I was thinking when I finish my PhD, I will do at least a five-minute bit in some random pub or something. And so I think I can still hold to that promise. Then my more conservative me told me in my dreams, like, hey, but maybe, maybe you should try something more casual, like a podcast. Given that all these people that I'm interviewing are my friends, the tone of the conversation is super chill, relaxed, and filled with jokes. So for me, it will be a way to be more comfortable being in the public spectrum. And maybe once I get a better hold of how to communicate my ideas a bit better, I can transition toward doing stand-up. 
I hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as I did. Stay tuned and till the next time, everyone.